This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the way. We want it been. the smugglers galaxy podcast it's your home for loud and proud mouth breathers everywhere to talk about our love for star wars collecting and on each episode we'll be talking about various aspects of star wars collecting from vintage items to present day featuring tips and tricks and stories from fellow collectors to the outer rim and back again and later on in the show we have our very special guest segment featuring none other than weird al yankovic and we're brought to you by the georgia alliance of star wars collectors i'm john waterhouse and joining me today we have glenn williams hey glenn how's it going Hey, John, it's going good, man. It's going good. <laughs> our co-host, Glenn Williams, and also our third co-host, Justin Haney. What's happening, Justin? How are we doing, gentlemen? Uh, enjoying a nice little sunny day here in, in Georgia, uh, having some coffee, and let's talk some Star Wars. I got a bad feeling about this. Let's do it. Time to get the geek on. So, guys, we were talking off the air about today's topic, and that topic du jour is the how, why, and when we got involved with Star Wars collecting. And I think all of our stories, right, go back to our childhoods. So, of course, if you know anything about Star Wars collecting Star Wars toys, the early bird gift certificate, right? Star Wars figures, R2-D2. Chewbacca, Luke, and Princess Leia, they're the Star Wars early bird set of figures. These action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars Early Bird Certificate Package is in stores. With this colorful Star Wars picture display stand and certificate to send in to get a set of figures by mail. They'll be sent to you at home between February 1st and June 1st. The Star Wars Early Bird Certificate Package, new from Kenner. It all goes back to the Early Bird Gift Certificate. And would one of you guys like to explain exactly what the Early Bird Project was all about? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Kenner uh, was approached by Lucasfilm to get the license for uh, making action figures. And the movie obviously came out in May 77. They were not ready by that holiday season. Uh, they just couldn't get the toys produced in time. So essentially they sent out and sold at stores an IOU. Uh, it's referred to as the early bird gift certificate. Kids <laughs> would open up this package it had a little display stand and it, a cardboard display stand, and it had a certificate. Hey, we're gonna, whenever we get these things ready, we're going to send you four figures. Could you imagine being a kid uh, waking up and seeing that Star Wars package and tearing into it, and it's nothing but a slip of paper saying, hey, we'll get you when we can? I cannot imagine. Now, did either of you guys get one of these things when it came out? Because I, I did not. No, I didn't. I, I have, you know. No, I was too too young. I don't even. I was only like two or three years old when Star Wars came out, when the original. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I did not get one. I'm the young buck here, hanging out with you guys. Uh, I wasn't even <laughs> born yet. So, when 900 years old, you reach look as good. You are not <laughs> <laughs> showing some age here. Yeah, I was seven in 1977 and did not receive the early bird certificate. But I cannot imagine what that tease felt like. But at the same time, you got to also think about the anticipation, right? Like that's actually probably not really a bad marketing tool to kind of hype the toy line, which ended up being what the most successful toy line of all time. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to hear that pitch. All right. I got this great idea. Let's just send them a slip of paper. (laughs) 
and hold the kids over until, you know, springtime. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Uh, yeah, but you got to remember, it's sort of like, you know, let's go back to or let's look at it in modern terms. It's like Baby Yoda. The whole reason why they had to do the early bird certificate is because George Lucas was holding everything close to the vest and he, he only really let people see it six months out. And that stuff takes a year to a year and a half to produce. So that's the only way they could get the toy, you know, the, the action figures out there by Christmas time was to do that early bird certificate. And you were talking about Baby Yoda, of course, Baby Yoda coming to pass in toy form, hopefully a little bit quicker in this day and age. Right. It's still going to be, you know, May or June before we're going to see Baby Yoda stuff. Uh, you know, you, you can find it on a T-shirt because those are easy to produce, but you're not going to, you know, the Build-A-Bear, I think they were saying spring or summer before we saw it. So. And, and guys, I remember that first Star Wars Christmas in, of 1977, and I did not receive the early bird gift certificate, as I said, but I did receive the Star Wars calendar for 1978. That was really exciting because on the front, it had the the great Star Wars poster logo along with May the Force Be With You. And it, it, became, it came in this awesome cardboard box. You slip it out, this gorgeous calendar. So that was my big Star Wars present for Christmas of 77. And it actually held quite a bit of excitement for me, so much so I had to buy one on eBay a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, bef- before the internet and all this technology, I mean, that was the only way to see those in- that imagery from the film, I'm sure, you know, so right, uh, I'm sure that right. was pretty exciting to get that and be able to flip through it and, and, and relive, you know, some of the movie magic. Yeah. But, you know, getting back to the whole early bird gift certificate and Justin, you were saying, can you imagine what it was like tearing into that on Christmas morning? Well, can you imagine if YouTube existed, right? We, we could be looking at all these reactions of all these kids with their jaws dropping and maybe some tears in the eggnog, opening a star Wars present to only find a sheet of paper. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I know personally, I would have uh, just been devastated. Right. That's, uh, uh, you know, yeah. Kid kicking and screaming, crying on the, on the floor Christmas morning for sure. Um, but you know, Kinner stood by it and uh, you know, the toys came out eventually. So, and it, again, like you said, it spawned the, the greatest toy line in history. I'm after the Death Star plans. Kenner's Star Wars large-size action figures sold separately with movable arms and legs. C-3PO, R2-D2, Han Solo and the Stormtrooper. You'll never find the planned Stormtrooper. You can push R2-D2's secret button to open his hidden compartment. Plans are safe and the Stormtrooper's gone. Thanks, Han. I didn't get this medal for nothing. Large-size Stormtrooper, R2-D2, C-3PO, Han Solo, each sold separately from Kenner. So can you guys recall the first time you purchased or received a Star Wars figure as a kid? I don't remember the first time I had, you know, received one, but I always remember having the toys. You know, um, as far as I can remember, you know, I had all the Empire. When I, when, I, when I go back to my Star Wars, my favorite movie, you know, was Return of the Jedi. But you always remember having the Empire Strikes Back as toys. You know, uh, you know, I, I remember seeing Return of the Jedi in the theater, but, you know, uh, so, but yeah, I, I, they were just always there. So I can't, you know, I can't say this is the first toy I got, but, you know, I remember having my Boba Fett, which was my favorite. And then the Snow Trooper and then the uh, X-Wing Luke. So those were my three favorites. And you just, I know those were Empire. So toys for me as a kid were all hand-me-downs um, from my sister's friends. Uh, they're a little bit older than I am. I remember, um, being able to play with a Millennium Falcon, but the per- I don't remember who it was that would bring it over, but they would always take it back with them when they left, when they got done hanging out with my sisters. So <laughs> I think the only thing I have from childhood still is a Chewbacca and an ATSD driver. Could not tell you how I got them. I just uh, know that I played with them as a kid. So. Nice. Nice. So, okay. Being the old dog here of the trio, I got to tell you, I remember actually going to the store in 1978 when the Star Wars action figures hit Atlanta. And my mom, I begged my mom to take me to the only place where we could find them. I had her on the phone trying to track them down. We went to the Kroger on Highway 29. I guess that would technically technically be Norcross, Georgia. We go into the Kroger grocery store and we actually find this display section of Star Wars action figures. 
I believe it was on an end cap, if I'm not mistaken. My eight-year-old memory is is a little foggy, but I do remember, if I if I'm not mistaken, getting four figures that day: Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Obi Wan, and a stormtrooper. I wanted to balance out the good guys versus the bad, and my mom would only only allow me to get four at a time, which was generous to begin with. But I, I remember having to narrow it down to the four. And I remember distinctively saying and thinking in my head, okay, I, I have to have that balance. I was already thinking about the balance of the fours at the time, right? So I, I had the, the four figures, but I remember, I remember it very vib- vividly. I remember the excitement and the energy coming upon this display, man, which as collectors, we've seen these displays sold on aftermarket today. Yeah, it was, it was an exciting time for sure. I hate bringing in another toy line to it, but I, I remember, you know, like Masters of the Universe, seeing that in, in the toy shops. Yeah, just the joy and wonderment. And, you know, I, I, that's the, the only toy land I could be like, this is I remember seeing this and I remember it coming to life. And yeah, it was, you know, it, it's a definitely it's a fun feeling finding those toys and seeing them and seeing them in the stores. Uh, I can only imagine. I wish it was Star Wars, but yeah. Man, there's yeah. nothing like it. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. that, you know, and I think that that's that's unfortunately lost a lot today in in the uh in in the current world we're buying electronically and in all of the online purchasing we we're kind of missing that whole tactile experience that interactive experience of of coming upon a, a killer display of toys in the store right oh yeah you are uh the ebays of the world and the facebook live sales they have their place but yeah i i, I like going out old school and, and hunting you know and finding finding it old school, going from store to store. Uh, Justin, how you feel about that? My wife laughs at me every time we go to Target and I make a beeline for the toy aisle. She's like, okay, I'll catch up with you in a minute. <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's just ingrained from years and years of, uh, of hunting toys in the stores and stuff. I mean, I still get that, that feeling, you know, being on the hunt. There's nothing like it. You don't, you don't get that from eBay. No. Right. And it's so funny you said that, Justin, because I, it's the same thing for me. It's ritual. I have to go to that section every time I walk into Target. I beeline for the toys as well. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just part of the whole process and experience of shopping. <laughs> I got to do it. So speaking yep. about the hunt, guys, let's talk a little bit about when our own personal Star Wars collecting hunts began. Can you guys share with me how you got into collecting? It started very, very early. Both of my parents are collectors. Uh, my father collects Coca-Cola memorabilia. My mother um, collected various other things. So it was kind of an every weekend trip for us. We'd be going to flea markets or garage sales or um, the big Lake Lakewood show they used to have every month. So I learned how to haggle at a young age and how to hunt and dig and and and, and find the deals and think I'd get like a $20 allowance each time we'd go out. So I had to use that $20 to, um, you know, to its fullest. And I got suckered into the power of the force two back in the nineties. you know, we all did. Yeah. <laughs> I was one of those people. Now the universe has changed forever. The star Wars power of the force collection. When Darth Vader and his stormtroopers attack, join princess Leia, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo escape in the mighty millennium Falcon. Experience the real movie sounds of light speed when Darth Vader's TIE Fighters are on your tail. Hear the force of the Falcon's turbo lasers. Can you blast Vader's TIE Fighters to pieces? Never underestimate the power of the force. The Star Wars Power of the Force Collection, each sold separately from Kenner. And I remember going at midnight, you know, when they when they released, uh, uh, crap, Phantom Men- uh, Attack of the Clones, right? And you're, you're in the in the toy store and you're just buying everything. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to display this, display this. And it sits in a tote for 10 years and you're glad to take your hundred dollars. You know, you sell it to a toy store for a hundred bucks and, and uh, you know, you're happy. And then a couple of, uh, about 10 years, eh, seven, eight years ago, I was going through a, you know, going through a divorce and, and you're sitting there going, what am, what am I got to do? I got to find myself. I got to you know, figure out who the heck I am again. And that's when I rediscovered toy- Star Wars and, and rediscovered the toys and rediscovered collecting. And it all started with a with a 12 inch stormtrooper that a buddy of mine said, hey, you got to buy this. And I was like, yeah, sure. Cool. I'll buy it. And then I you start. I'm just going to buy what I what I want, what I had as a kid. And next thing you know, I got a room full of Star Wars. And uh, it just it started off slow. And now it's it's huge and it's developed into this this podcast. And, and yeah, it's just it's crazy. 
how it something so small can turn, blow up into something so big. I want to say it was early 90s. I remember going to a flea market and, and finding this amazing flea market booth here in, in Metro Atlanta that had Star Wars figures. And I, I saw a, a, a whole array of carded figures, men on card. And the only one I could afford was a B-Wing pilot on a Jedi card. So that was my first collector's piece that I bought. And then a few months later, a friend of mine got married. So I was in my early 20s at the time, 1994-ish. And uh, a friend of mine was getting married and his parents kind of gave him ultimatum. They were like, you got to get all your stuff out of the house. You got to clean the attic. And so I went over there with him and he said, hey, I've got all of my Star Wars stuff. Do you want it? And lucky for me, this guy was like a type A anal retentive, took perfect care of his shit. I mean, it was incredible. I, I could not believe it. I mean, he had weapons for the three and three quarter figures. Um, he had all of these things just pristine in, in, uh, in various boxes and, and such. And I, I, it was amazing. So I wrote him a check. Uh, it was just a, you know, kind of an honorarium really. I mean, he would, he, he didn't even want to take money, but he gave me a really incredible collection of star Wars figures, three and three quarter figures, even a, a 12 inch Chewbacca with, uh, his bandolier intact. And, uh, yeah, it was so awesome. It was such a score. And I was so grateful for that. Uh, vehicles, uh, even a, com- a complete Death Star playset with the with the rope, and uh, man, it was it was so exciting. So that that really started my trajectory of Star Wars collecting. So that would be in the in the early to mid nineties, and and I I you know went nuts. I think as many of us did with that Power of the Force two line, and kind of regretted that in hindsight. But that was a that was a exciting time as well, right? I mean, I remember running around to drugstores trying to pick those things up, you know, when you couldn't find them in Toys R Us, the next thing you know, you're at the local Eckerd's. Oh yeah. That yeah. was a wild time. We all thought we were going to be millionaires. You know, they came back <laughs> out with the yak face figure and, you know, I think I probably owned 10 of those and gosh, we were just dropping money hand over fist. Anything they pumped out, it was like a drug dealer. We were just taking it all, picking it all up. And I've still got tubs and tubs of that crap just sitting in storage. <laughs> Amen. Oh man. Yeah. I ended up, really selling a lot of that for pennies on the dollar. I think like a lot of collectors, I just, I just had to get rid of it. I mean, it was taking up too much space and I, I just, I just had to get it out the door. Yep. I was the same way. It was, I had it sitting in a tub. I had stuff, you know, I had a grand grandiose plans of displaying it. And one day I just got bored and ran it up to the Pendergrass flea market. And a guy wrote me a $150 check for it. And I took the money and ran. I said, thank you very much. And yeah, you now it's your problem. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you deal with it now. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about how others in our lives reacted to our collecting once we started to get really knee deep in this stuff. Because I know some people you either get it or you don't, right? Like, you know, some people turn their nose up at grown men collecting toys. Uh, <laughs> others understand it. You know, some people meet us halfway. Now, Justin, you were talking about you were basically raised among a group of collectors. So what was that experience like and how were people reacting to you once you decided to, Hey, I'm going full bore on the star Wars collecting thing. Obviously I had the support of my parents. They were collectors. They, they understood that itch and, and the need to, to continue and pursue items and, and fill out your collection. So that was pretty great um, growing up, but obviously started to get weird looks, you know, you're in high school and, it's not something you just like jump out and tell people like, yeah, I've got this massive collection of toys at my house um, all on display. So throughout life, you know, it's something you kind of, you don't, uh, it doesn't come up in conversation. You don't, you don't lead with it. Uh, obviously in this day and age, it's great that um, it, nerddom culture is at the forefront, right? It's cool to wear Star Wars shirts or comic books characters and things like that. So um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of gone up and down throughout, throughout life. You know, you, you, uh, get in a relationship with somebody you don't it's that there's that awkward moment where you have to tell them that you've got thousands of dollars of <laughs> children's toys stored away at your house yeah, I, I led with that when i met my wife i'm like i'm a star wars geek so be ready for that yeah 
Cue the mouth breathing, right? Yes. Exactly. So yeah, there's definitely been hurdles throughout, throughout life. I'm sure just like anybody who's in this hobby or just a a fan of star Wars in general, um, last decade or so though, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's here in the forefront and it's very accepted. And now people think you're cool. Um, it was pretty awkward to explain it to my wife's parents when they actually came over and saw the collection, they had no idea what was going on. And I think still to this day, my father-in-law just wants to know how expensive everything is. <laughs> yeah, I, I deal with the same thing with my father-in-law. It's like, you know, what what did you buy this time? And you, you, that thing's worth what? And it's like, yeah. And you do, you, de- you definitely get the, the weird looks from the father-in-law and the in-laws because they've come downstairs and they'll see the collection and they're like, what the hell are you doing with all this shit? And then Mandy, my wife will get in there and be like, well, look at all this shit that I just bought. So, you know, <laughs> we're both getting weird looks, but it's great. Well, you know, I think I really scored not only, you know, in, in a variety of ways, right, with with my wife because she's super cool and on so many levels. But one of one of the big parts of her cool factor, one of the biggest aspects is the fact that she understands the toy collecting and she loves pop culture and she allows me and actually contributes to the fact that we live among our collections of of toys and art and memorabilia. So that was, that wasn't a big, a big thing. I mean, we were, we were dating hot and heavy when I discovered collecting, when I kind of got into it. So she got used to it like alongside me and her parents, actually, you were talking about in-laws. They were incredibly supportive. In fact, her mother actually really kind of got into the fact that I was into collecting stuff. So she would, latch onto that and, and, you know, gift me wonderful things during the holidays and, and, and for birthdays and such. So I, I really, I really got lucky with that, with that aspect, because I know a lot of people struggle with, with friends and relatives and, and such when they try to explain, Hey, this is, this is a part of me. This is who I am. Uh, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta be tough for a lot of folks. Yeah. I think having your collection displayed, John, you have a gorgeous home. I mean, it's, it's curated, your collection's curated so well. Um, I I think having it on display, it, it, it really shows people that there's like a passion when you first tell people, Oh yeah, I'm a toy collector. I think they get visions of TV shows like hoarders and just assume you've got nothing but cardboard boxes from floor to ceiling covering your entire house. But when they come and they actually see your display or you show them a photo, I mean, you know, we're curating museum like collections in our homes. And I think uh, the passion just flows through that. And I think once people see that, they really kind of get a better understanding. Right. Definitely. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, that's really part of the whole fun, right. Is curating and displaying and, and really enjoying your collection on a day-to-day basis. Because I got to say, I got to a point where, if I can't see it, I really sh- probably don't need it. You know, I really want to be able to enjoy what I have and, and not just keep it, you know, tucked away in a tub somewhere in, in the attic. Although I still have some of that stuff that I just can't get rid of. Right. I, yeah. I am guilty right. of that, but I try to keep that to a minimum as best I can. But you were talking, Justin, about the stereotypical image of the toy collector as the hoarder. Sad to say, though, that's that's kind of real. That's out there. I've been in those dudes houses, man. And it's scary. It's like, you know, put the lotion in the basket kind of stuff. You, <laughs> you, you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's out there, but I think that predominantly you see a lot of people really appreciating their collections and in creative ways. And, and that's such a fun part of the hobby. Yeah. I totally agree. Right. So yeah, let's talk about what the collecting hobby has evolved into in our lives. I mean, what are you guys doing today as far as what are you focusing on? How are you displaying stuff? Let's talk about the contemporary art of collecting in this day and age. All right. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, I think Facebook has been just massive, uh, just something that's really blown up for the hobby. There, there was a um, chat group called Rebel Scum. I never really used it. I kind of lurked around there. But when Facebook blew up with collector pages and people selling stuff, you know, it's a, it's a hour to hour thing for me. I'm constantly checking Facebook, looking for deals, people tagging me in sales posts. Uh, So 
Yeah, the contemporary collector, I mean, you can jump in right now with zero toys, zero knowledge, and within six months to a year, you can have a great collection. You can be, you know, extremely knowledgeable. The the resources are out there. The SWCA website, the Imperial Gunnery, there's just so much that you, if you're willing to take the time and you have the passion, you can get into this hobby, hit the ground running and, you know, be right, right there with everybody in a very, very short time. So it's, it's quite amazing. The internet, Facebook, I mean, even Instagram starting to take off with the toy dealers and and collectors showing off um, their personal items. So it's, it's a great time to be in the hobby. And if you're not in it, it's a great time to join. Right. Yeah. I I definitely agree with Facebook definitely is, is taking it to a different level because like, like Justin said, you let people know what you're looking for and you will start getting tagged and stuff. Uh, it, it, it's a community and it's a networking thing. And, and it's not like it was 10 years ago where, you know, you were, you were out and it was, you were putting the time in, it was sweat hours, you know, sweat equity, because you had to get out to the, to the, to the uh, yard sales and to the, to the flea markets to find this stuff. And now it comes to you. Uh, so, you know, you, I think you lose a little bit of it, but it's also a do- totally different experience uh, because you can do it from the comfort of your home and there is a lot of a rise in Facebook live sales and, you know, the, the groups, if you know where to get into the, to a good group, you can get into the, some of these high dollar groups and see stuff that maybe you can't afford, but stuff that that's the only way you're ever going to see it is in a high dollar group. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it, Facebook is definitely, and like Justin said, some guys are doing it on Instagram now and uh, yeah, just curating and, and, yeah, if if you have the time and you have the money, yeah, in a year you can have an awesome collection. Speaking of money, you got to be careful out there though. People start tagging you in a bunch of stuff, you start buying, next thing you know your paycheck's gone, then you got to start selling stuff. <laughs> you know, it can be a very slippery slippery slope. Yeah. yeah. Another thing, probably not the best idea to uh, be drinking and Facebook shopping at the same time. I'll just tell you that from experience. <laughs> two three days later a big package shows up on your door and you forgot you paypal'd a guy we don't serve their kind here i I love watching justin junk shop it's it's great i've I've seen him at celebration and you know it's midnight and and he's making a deal and you're like oh wow dude and and yeah the next day i know you know i know he's going to be feeling it but it's fun watching justin drunk shop (laughs) guilty as charged Right. Absolutely. Buyer's remorse is real in collecting. I think, you know, I think we've all experienced that, but getting back to the contemporary world of collecting of star Wars collecting, you were talking, you guys were both talking about Facebook. And of course we came together through Facebook, right? Our, our collecting club, our star Wars collecting group. That's how I know you guys. Right. Right. So it's, it's a great social tool as well, linking collectors together and we can really share our love. And, you know, we created this podcast. We have monthly meetings. It's just, it's part of our lives. Yeah. yeah I, the I, Facebook thing, uh, starting the, the Georgia Lions Club uh, with Glenn three years back. I mean, that's just changed everything for me. I was actually kind of in a down spot in collecting. Things were not really, you know, coming up for sale that I wanted or, or things were getting sold behind closed doors that I knew about that I had you know, made an offer on, but they ended up selling it to somebody else or things like that. And, and I really shifted all my focus to the collecting club, our club here in Georgia, uh, the guys in New York that really love those guys and, and what they're doing up there. And um, yeah, it, it's really turned things around. It's been awesome to see people complete their collections. You know, we've had a handful of members that um, finally completed their loose runs uh, via the club and help from, you know, myself and, Glenn and you know, whoever just members helping members. It's, it's a whole different thing. It's less cutthroat than you see some of these groups that are strictly buy, sell trade groups. Oh yeah. I definitely with Justin's help and with the club's help, I, I wanted to have my complete 92 run because uh, you know, Justin helped me out with a bunch and gave me, uh, you know, gave me some good deals. And uh, I was talking to one member one day and, and he said, Oh, I saw you wanted to pop up R2. And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for one. And he goes, well, I've got an extra one that I upgraded and I got a better looking one, but I'll give you this one for what I've got in it, which I was like, all right. And he gave it to me for, for pennies on the dollar. And there was no way in hell I could have afforded a, a pop-up R2 without the help of a club member. 
So that that's the kind of thing that that we're building in this club, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's been a definitely definitely a turnaround for a lot of people, and we do definitely we see it's it's awesome seeing people complete their collections and start down that path of of collecting and the joy that that Star Wars brings. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I've seen that firsthand too. I mean, I haven't been a part of the club as as long as you guys. Of course, you two, as you said, are the founders. But at these at these events, at these monthly meetups. I've really, you know, been witness to and participated in transactions that would blow your mind. I mean, people just being generous, being, you know, kind to their fellow collector, really feeling for you, wanting you to complete your collection, rooting for you and helping you in the process. And that's really cool. And I think that um, we would all agree that, yeah, encourage people to become part of a collector's group locally or regionally or, or in some way nationally, because that network of, of friends and fans is really invaluable and it really enriches your life. It kind of takes you out of your own little microcosm of collecting and, and broadens the world. And you start creating these great relationships and friendships. And it's, it's really awesome. It really kind of brings a whole new layer and meaning to what it means to be a collector. Definitely. Yeah, I, I can't second that enough. If if you're not part of a club locally, go join one. If there isn't a local club, start one. It's not difficult. All it takes is you and one other person. Facebook is free. Start a page up, start spreading the word. And if you're not feeling it locally, or if you don't want to be social in that aspect, join some of the hundreds of Facebook groups that are out there. The community is where it's at right now. And it, it really will just broaden your collection. Um, exponentially right yeah this this group started with a, a conversation coming back from celebration in 17 uh between me justin and uh shane a guy named shane that that was a founder and uh unfortunately he's no longer with the club but he was he was a big part in getting this club going but it literally was a facebook conversation going guys we need to do this and here we are three three years later with 600 plus members and it, it spans the, the globe pretty much and it just it blows my mind that, uh, you know, a conversation from three Star Wars geeks that it took us driving to Celebration in Orlando to, to spend time together is blown up to what it is. Well, I think probably the, the coolest part about a collector's social club, a Star Wars collector's social club, or any really fan-based club is everybody speaks the same language. Glenn, you and I were talking about this before. I mean, it kind of cuts things to the chase, right? It, it, it breaks it all down to, we all have this shared passion. We understand what we're talking about. We can immediately identify with each other and friendships are really kind of forged right there in the moment instantly, right? Would you guys agree? Definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, Some of my best friends now have come from this club. Right. Yeah. This club's a family. It, it, you know, I, I consider Justin a brother and, and Jason and, and Ryan, the other admins, they're, they're, they're my brothers. And, you know, you do anything for those people. And yeah, we didn't know each other three years ago and it took this club and, and some of my best friends have come from this club and, and you, you know, you get really good acquaintances and it, it's all because of the love of Star Wars. Totally, totally. Now, guys, we have a few more minutes for this podcast, this episode. Let's talk a little bit about what you guys are looking out for right now. What are you collecting these days? What's on your hit list? I've got kind of two things that I'm looking for right now. I've got the un unobtainable, which is I collect Galactic Heroes. Star Wars Galactic Heroes. Stormtrooper, ready for scout mission. The rebel base must be here somewhere. Ha! Come out, rebel scum! They fell for it. Go! Here's our chance! Check out the firepower, Han! Get away from there! Let's take this back to the real rebel base. Hey, come back here! Heroes at play! Star Wars Galactic Heroes Imperial Adat Fortress. Additional figures sold separately. Props not included. I started collecting them for my grandson, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, these things are really cool, and I've got into the pre-production stuff they made a star wars rebels cartoon that you have a uh, you know you got a really cool uh, ghost which is their ship uh, i've got a first shot of that they also made the phantom which goes into the ghost and they made uh, a hera of zeb and a uh, sabine and the uh, zeb and sabine and hera and the phantom never made it to production 
or if it did, it's very, very small. That's sort of my unobtainable uh, right now. Uh, I've put feelers out every time I see something come up on Facebook. Hey, what are you looking for? I'm putting feelers out. Uh, and I am starting to get hits on other people that are finding Galactic Heroes prototypes. So, uh, but that's sort of my, my white whale right now is, is those. I do have a Zeb, pre-production Zeb. So I've got that checked off the list. Uh, but I'm still looking for the Hera and Sabine and uh, the Phantom. But the obtainable, and I just need to save the money for it, is a Minon card, uh, Boba Fett. And I've been looking for one of those for a few years, and I just haven't been able to to put the thousand dollars down on it. That's where my mind is right now. I think I'm still just working on a min on card run. I've been trying to do a debut card back for each character on their um, movie card back. So you know, if they came out uh, during the Return of the Jedi line, I'm looking for their very first appearance and clear bubbles, which is very difficult for Return of the Jedi. And power of the force. I'm almost done with return. I think I lack three or four men on card debuts. I think I have them on non-debut cards. So I'm slowly working into Empire. And at the same time, I was also working on a 12 back run. So I got a few more to get there. So I kind of started on the outsides and I'm working my way in. And I'm about on Empire now. I've picked up a few here or there when I got a good price. But honestly, outside of the toys, I've really been trying to collect experiences and friends. It's pretty cliche, I know kind of corny, but been invited to a handful of collector meetups across the country that I've been trying to go to, make it to more toy shows. Right now we're all locked down, but hopefully we get out of the house soon and go meet up with these people. Right. And one of the good things right now, uh, because we are locked down, you know, they've got programs like Skype. We've been doing a Skype uh, thing in our club and we're able to see each other and and communicate, which is cool. and there's uh, some of the national clubs are doing that too, but yeah, it, it I got to agree with Justin. It, it you learn really fast that toys are secondary in, in this in this community. It's the experiences. It's going to the toy shows and seeing people that you'd only see at toy shows, and, and you know shooting shit with them and seeing what how their lives going, and and then that that once you discover you know discover the people and become, build the friendships, then then the toys come up, you know and. and that's why I enjoy this. It's the people, it's the memories that you make with people and it's the fun times you have. Cause yeah, we, we've got stories of conventions that we've gone to that, you know, Justin knows them better than I do, but you know, you hear the stories and, and you hear the experiences and, and it's just, it's cool reliving them. Totally. Totally. And I, I got to say for me, as far as what's going on right now in my collecting world, I've dialed back quite a bit. I'm not really buying a lot of stuff these days if something jumps out at me, you know, I, I, and I can't refuse it. I got the, you know, offer. I can't refuse kind of <laughs> thing happening. I will grab it, but for the most part, I'm, I'm really kind of, you know, enjoying what I have and trying not to try not to kind of build up too many things that I can't enjoy and put on display. I do have the desire to complete a 12 back run. I'm about, gosh, I've been, I want to say uh, a third of the way for quite a while. So maybe one of these days, if the expendable income, you know, (laughs) falls into place, I might jump into it. But, you know, I I have to say, you know, cliches be damned, Justin. I mean, who cares? That's what I'm enjoying the most is, or the relationships. I really, I really have to echo that as well. That's what, I'm really getting the the biggest kick out of, and I just really enjoy checking out other people's collections and, and kind of living vicariously through that and appreciating what people have amassed and how they're displaying them and learning about their passions and learning more about the hobby. I want to say once I kind of started coming into the fold with you guys and in our club here, I've learned so much, a whole different realm of, of knowledge that I really didn't even know was out there. I mean, the, the amount of detail that a lot of the fellow members in, in our club have and, and knowledge that they have and knowledge that they share is, is incredible. And it's, it's really, it's, it's an educational experience and a social experience and an entertainment experience all wrapped up in one. Definitely. I, I agree a hundred percent with that. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we're all in this hobby because we love Star Wars. We, we enjoy the the hunt of, of collecting and acquiring toys or things, stuff. But when it comes down to it, it should be fun, you know? And, and eBay can't give you what a collector club can. I don't always need a new toy, but getting to hang out at somebody's house and hear about their stories is what makes it amazing, right? Right. Totally, totally. And I just I just enjoy checking checking it out. I mean, it goes back to the whole Target experience, Justin, that we were talking about earlier. That that going when we go shopping, we go straight to the toy aisle because it's part of our routine. But I enjoy just just looking at the toys, right? I appreciate it as a as a form of art. So I don't really have to be buying all the time to enjoy the hobby. Again, I can appreciate what I have and, and appreciate what's out there and what other people have, but I don't really have to be in this kind of hoarding mentality, right, to really enjoy the hobby. And I think that that's kind of a misconception. People think that you have to constantly be buying and buying and buying if you're a collector, but you can just enjoy your collection no matter the size. Size doesn't matter <laughs> in the case of toy collecting. <laughs> size matters not. No, it doesn't because, I mean, I the last couple of years, I've kind of taken a step back from just buying a whole bunch of shit. And then you're like, oh, what, what the hell am I going to do with all of this? And, and then you you start to realize, you know what? Instead of buying all this little crap, I, I can buy that one big item that I've been looking for. And that's sort of been my my goal the last couple of years is not, you know, is to buy the bigger stuff. You know, spend two, three, four hundred dollars on a piece. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with buying the little stuff, but that's just sort of where, you know, I don't have to buy something every weekend to enjoy the collecting. You know, like you said, you can go into Target, you can look at the toys, you can look and see what's coming out. Um, you know, that's the good thing about the Internet. You, you, you know what's coming out. You, you know that you hear the, the theories and, and you can enjoy it that way. You don't have to spend a whole shit ton of money to, to enjoy this hobby. And there's people that do it. There's people that, that spend five dollars at a time and there's people that spend thousands of dollars at a time. And there's no wrong way to do this hobby. That's what I love about it. The only thing, the only rule about this hobby is don't be an asshole. I mean, and that, <laughs> it, it's, it's the truth. Don't be an asshole. Don't be a jerk. Uh, you know, if somebody comes up to you and has a, has a question or has something, answer it. You know, help them out. That, that's the whole. And you get more. I get more enjoyment helping people out than buying stuff for myself. Yeah, definitely don't be an asshole. You'll get, you'll get ousted real fast uh, in the collecting world. You know, I think one thing to help me, you guys talking about, you know, kind of taking a step back or Glenn saving up, um, you know, to buy that one big piece. We moved a couple of years back and I got um, my wife was nice enough during the house hunting. We we made sure there was a room in the basement that I could take over and, and display the collection properly. And after the thousand hours putting together all that Ikea furniture um, and, you know. <laughs> all that frustration, uh, you know, putting the collection on display and, and, and recently within the past six months, I've redone the display. So that really gives you, um, time to look, kind of think about where you want to go next and see what gaps you have in the collection and what you want to fill those gaps that can't be done when a bunch of stuff is just sitting in tubs, you know? So that definitely really helped me. And, and I, I've acquired a couple pieces since then. And, you know, knew there was this hole there, but intentionally left that gap saying, all right, this is what I'm going to actively hunt. One of those items was the uh, birthday poster uh, that, that I picked up, which you can, you guys haven't seen yet. I picked it up right after the winter social this past year. But, uh, you know, I left the space on the wall for it, actively hunted one, found it, found a good, good deal and picked it up. And now it's, you know, a prominent piece of my display. Man, the birthday poster. Now that's going down a rabbit hole. I've been wanting one of those forever. My gosh, how hard was that to find? So they come up, you know, a few times a year. But the problem is that people just ask way too much money for them. And um, I was lucky enough to pick one up in an online auction, uh, not eBay. It was emovieposter.com. So anybody that's out there actively hunting movie posters, that's the go-to. But it's not eBay. Go to e movie poster, buy from buy from those guys. But uh, you know, it was right before the holiday. I think it was like December 20th, so right, right before Christmas. So the auction was ending. And I think, you know, that time of year, people aren't spending that kind of money. They they don't want to, you know, drop drop a lot of money on 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 a collection uh, or a collectible. So 
yeah, got a, got a good price on it. But yeah, I've been after that piece for about five, six years, always on the hunt, always looking and just, it, it was never the right time until it was. Right. I remember you talking about that at the social and being all excited. We were down in your game room and you were like, yep, that poster is going to go right there. I'm waiting for the auction to end and it's going to be <laughs> mine and I'm going to get, you know, so yeah, you were, you were really excited about that piece. Yeah. So yeah, I, I had, had the house all cleaned out. The collection room was nice and dusted and pristine uh, for the, for the winter social. And you go into my collection room and there's just this huge blank wall. Like, why didn't you put anything there? Waiting, waiting for that birthday poster. Exactly. <laughs> and folks, just in case you don't know what the star Wars birthday poster is, it was this one sheet movie poster that celebrated one year of the original Star Wars movie, which was released, in, of course, in 1977. One year of it being in theaters. One year old today is what it says on the poster. It's an image of a birthday cake surrounded by the original 12-figure run of Kenner action figures, of the Star Wars action figures. It's a wonderful poster, not only if you're a fan of the movie, but if you're a collector, you kind of get that double whammy there in the form of a one-sheet movie poster. Yeah, I'll add to that a little bit. It was actually only given out, other than the company who produced the cake, all of their employees received one. And then it was given out to theaters that consecutively ran the movie for one year. So, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, so there's, there's not sure how many are actually out there. I'm sure some Lucasfilm people have them, some Kenner people got some. But I think the number is under 500. Geez, I didn't realize it was that limited. Yeah. My goodness. So, yeah, like you said, John, it is the double whammy. I mean, you got uh, theatrical poster collectors hunting them, and it's the only theatrical poster that features a Kenner toy. So you got all of us crazy diehard toy <laughs> fans after him, too. So <laughs> It is super cool. It is super cool. Well, that does it for this portion of the show. Thank you so much, guys, Glenn Williams and Justin Haney for geeking out and talking about toys. Star Wars collecting here on the Smuggler's Galaxy podcast. And right now it's time for our special guest segment featuring an archived interview that I had with none other than Weird Al Yankovic. I met him in a swamp down in Dagobah where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated soda. S-O-D-A-S-O-D-A. I saw the little rent sitting there on a log I asked him his name and in a raspy voice he said Yoda Y-O-D-A Yoda Yo 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 Yoda Now no musician waves the Star Wars flag quite like Weird Al it's no secret he's a huge Star Wars fan, and his Star Wars parodies, Yoda and the Saga Begins, they have a special spot in his live shows. Weird Al was part of the original Star Wars generation and an instant fan. Here's what he had to say about seeing Star Wars for the very first time. Well, you know, I, I saw it uh, during its initial run, uh, and it was one of the first uh, actual Hollywood blockbusters. I mean, I, I remember waiting in a really, really, really long line, uh, and seeing it, and then, and, uh, like everybody else, I was just sort of blown away. It was uh, I hadn't seen anything like that on a movie screen before, and uh, it's one of the few movies that I saw multiple times in the theater. Which you know, when I, and that's something that I wasn't. <laughs> that, that, that was a very unusual thing for me. I, I rarely saw a movie more than once, but but Star Wars was so packed with uh, with visual information that you felt like you had to watch it at least a few times to really really get it all so it was uh it was one of those kind of things that was a really uh transformational <laughs> part of my adolescence the weird al yankovic song yoda takes a lightsaber swipe at the kinks classic lola <laughs> but it took quite a while to make it onto a weird al album i, I wrote the song in 1980 and we i think we tried to get it on the first album and we weren't getting an answer back or i, I forget exactly what was happening but but we weren't getting approval and then I, I bumped into Ray Davies uh, a few years after that. Um, I think at a, somewhere in New York at a radio station, and I, I asked him about it, and, and uh, it, it was like news to him. He didn't he didn't know that I was trying to get permission from him, and he basically said, "Yeah, sounds good." <laughs> and and uh, once uh, once I had the direct contact, it was a lot easier to you know get get all the legality straightened out so and and then and we got permission from lucasfilm as well which was of 
force necessary. Uh, but but yeah, that, that happens. I, I find that happens a lot. Um, you know, when, when I deal directly with an artist, they usually get the joke and they're usually cool with it. But it's the people that are the uh, intermediaries that sometimes you know slow down the process or, or stand in the way. Oh my, my, this here Anakin guy Maybe Vader someday later Now he's just a small fry And he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi Weird Al's The Saga Begins, which tells the entire story of Star Wars The Phantom Menace, was recorded just a month before the film's release. So how did Weird Al score all of those spoilers? Even though Lucasfilm uh, was very, uh, has always been very supportive and, and it's always allowed me to do my, my parodies, uh, I was not given any special treatment in regard to insider information on, uh, on episode one. Basically, everything that I uh, learned about that movie that, uh, that I used to write the song was based on internet rumors. <laughs> so I, I, I went to various... Star Wars fan websites and and uh, got as much information as I could. Uh, some of it was erroneous, but most of it was actually on the money. I'm not sure how they got all the, the storyline information, but I kind of pieced it all together. And based on that, uh, I wrote the song. Now, I, before we mastered the album, I said, you know, I can't do this and not see the movie because <laughs> what, if, what if the internet lied to me? Uh, so I... I paid whatever it was, $1,000, and went to a, a, a charity benefit screening. Uh, and, and thankfully, uh, the, the internet was, was pretty accurate. So we were, I, was, I, I might have had to change a word or two, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't very much. It was, uh, my, my song pretty much followed the actual plot of the movie. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next time on the Smuggler's Galaxy Podcast.